Now, Mark chapter 7 says this. Now, let me rather say, not Mark says it, Jesus said it. Your tradition has made the word of God have no effect. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Praise God, I'm set free, I'm not traditional. There's a difference between tradition, affections, and habits. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, You are restricted, restricted, chained up, bound up, stuck, by your affections and your traditions. I want to tell you why we don't see miracles. I want to tell you why we don't see the power and the presence of God in our meeting. Because we're traditional. We have affection in the wrong area. The word tradition, Webster's Dictionary, is habits and doctrines not explicit in the Bible, but held in the oral teachings of Christ and the apostles. I came out of an awesome church where my senior pastor had raised people from the dead. I was in those meetings, but yet it still was rather traditional. I remember going to church with my tie and my blazer and like looking smart. And I was told that if I want to become an elder in the church, I need to get a red tie. You know, I believed, I believed in this tradition. Be born again, get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Be born again. Get baptized in water and then get filled with the Holy Spirit. That's tradition. It's not the Word of God. The Word of God does say you must be born again, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand the context in which it says it. When you get born again, let me ask you something. The minute you get born again, you immediately, your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. So where is the Holy Spirit when you get born again? Bang! He fills you. So immediately you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So when you get born again, by default, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. But then you still have to get baptized. My firm conviction was, get born again, get baptized, and at a Holy Spirit meeting, when the pastor says, now we're going to have a Holy Ghost meeting, then I will run to the front and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a tradition. And it's not according to the Word of God. You know, some churches, when I got baptized, I was 11 years old when I got baptized in water. Some traditions say you baptize once. Down you go, up you come. Other churches say you baptize in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. Yet, other churches say you get baptized seven times. Now, scripturally, there are seven baptisms in the Bible. But there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And we argue, and they say, yes, there is one baptism. But in that one baptism, you go under seven times. And I'm going, okay. You see, the first baptism is the baptism of Moses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The baptism of Moses was the baptism into law. 
The second baptism is the baptism of John, preparing the way of the Lord. Where John went in, in Mark chapter 1, and he was baptizing people in his name. The third baptism was when Jesus got baptized in Matthew 3. The fourth baptism is when you become a Christian and you get baptized in the name of Jesus. Fifth baptism. I don't think anyone likes this one. It's the baptism of suffering. I've come under such persecution, brother. I need you to pray for me. Maybe you need to pray that you just get baptized again in suffering. Because, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. Don't tell me suffering comes from the devil. There's a baptism into suffering. I met North Koreans when I was in South Korea. And very piously I went up to these brothers and sisters. And I said to them, my friends, I'm praying for you. And they looked at me with a rebuke. And they said, don't pray for us. In our chains we are free. But in your freedom you're fully chained. Your traditions have made the word of God no effect. We need to understand what is our tradition. I'm not saying your tradition is your habit. By default, Bob, you sit in the same seat every Sunday. That's not traditional. That's habitual. But if your children follow you and they start sitting in that same seat for generations, it becomes a tradition. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> the sixth baptism is the day you become a Christian, and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love what Mary Ellen said. You walk into a room and you see Christians and you can just walk right past them because they're no different to anybody else on the street. Exodus chapter 33, Moses said, if your presence does not go with us, we'll be no different to anyone else. But how is it that when you walk into a meeting, it's just one person has got that aroma of the presence of God? What is that? You see, that's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit in you. That's the baptism of fire, the seventh baptism on you. There's a difference of the presence of God in you and the presence of God on you. The presence of God in you has one purpose. And that's to change you and transform you into the image and the likeness of God. But the presence of God on you is to change the atmosphere and the circumstances around you. When all hell comes against you, your being does not change the situation. But when you go into the fire, into the lake, into the deepest valley, and you raise your hallelujah, and the presence of God comes and baptizes you, by default your situation around you changes. Holy Spirit lives in you eternally. But the Holy Spirit does not rest upon you eternally. We need to understand the Holy Spirit is like a dove. A dove is a flat bird. I've walked into meetings. And the presence of God has been electric upon me. I walk out of that meeting. And the presence of God is gone. 
off me. It hasn't left me, but it's not on me. That's what we call the anointing. The word anointing is the manifest presence of God in the life of a believer. And I'm telling you this. There are times where I and you, we have the presence of God on us, and it's like the next minute, it's off. You say, where's this in Scripture? Well, it's in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the infilling. But the Holy Spirit comes upon you in Acts 1.8. The presence of God on you will change the situation around you. If you need breakthrough financially, stop praying for finances and start worshiping God. If you need healing in your body, stop crying to the healer and start worshiping God. His providence, his covenant, his promise to you is that when you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. I had a different message I wanted to preach and Karen said, don't speak about money. It's not about money. If I have to ask you this question, what is an altar? You would, you would answer me like a Hindu, a Muslim or a Jesuit. Because every faith has altars. Do you know at an altar, you don't put your sacrifice on the altar and halfway through take it off. An altar was designed for one purpose. To take the entire sacrifice. Not once in scripture. Not once in scripture does God command the people or ask the people, or even hint to the people, go and build an altar. Not once. Every altar that was ever established in history was established because man had a need to bring a sacrifice to God. Let me tell you what happens at an altar. When you build an altar to the Lord... God will come and establish a covenant with you. No covenants were made outside an altar being established. When you bring, when you make an altar and you bring a sacrifice, God will establish a covenant with you. We must not be ignorant of what we've got. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I'm going way off my notes. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you have an altar within you. Do you know in the Old Testament, with King Solomon's temple, when the altar was established, the Lord said to the priests, Do not let the fire go out. Day and night keep it burning. What do you and I do? We play hop, skip, and jump when we come to church. Hop in on a Sunday, jump for the next Sunday. And in the middle of the week, we don't let the fire burn. We've got to keep that fire burning day and night. Do you know how long their fire was burning in the Old Testament? A minimum of 450 years, the fire burnt day and night. You have the Holy Spirit on you eternally. 
but it does, sorry, in you eternally, but it doesn't reside on you continually. And we have to learn how to be the habitation of God, how to host the presence of God all the time. The fire must not go out. You walk out the meeting, the fire of God needs to be burning in you stronger than it was burning 10 minutes before. Maturity in Christianity is not the length of your walk with God or the knowledge that you've got concerning Scripture. Maturity has got to do with the depth of your relationship with God at any moment. We must not be ignorant of what we have. I've seen the quotations on Facebook. Don't blame the government, blame the Christians. If my people who are called by my name... I want to tell you something. We can't blame people who are ignorant. We can blame people who know the word of God and you know the word of God. And for this reason, your tradition has made the word of the Lord no effect in our community. I'm speaking to myself. We needed a miracle. And Karen and I, we we really, we come running back and we say, let's get into the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. That's all we need for that yoke to be broken. I've heard people say, my brother, my sister, it's just so difficult. We live under a closed heaven. You know what happened those years ago? Darkness has come and the heavens above us are closed. That is a lie from the pits of hell. There is no closed heaven. I can quote scripture for you on that. Where is it? Isaiah 64 verse 1. The prophet Isaiah says, Rend, tear open the heavens. When Jesus came and he was baptized by John, the Holy Spirit came down. Go read what it says. The Father tore the heavens open. And who the Lord opens, no door, no one can come and shut. Whichever door the Lord opens. So God opened the heavens. You don't live under a closed heaven. You say, I live under a closed heaven. No, you don't. I'll tell you where it's closed. Between your heart and your head. That's closed. And you need that severed. You need to come back to God. You need to say, Lord God, I don't care what it takes. I ask you that your presence come and rest upon me. And when the presence of the Lord comes and rests upon you, I'll tell you what will happen. Revival will break out in your life personally and in the community around you. We need to get the presence of God in our life. It's the God of peace that will crush Satan under your feet. And with this I want to wrap up and I want to say with you, there's five steps for me personally, to having a deeper relationship with God. Five steps. Commune. Learn to commune with the Holy Spirit. You know, communing with the Holy Spirit. Karen reminds me of that frequently. I'm sitting talking to her and she says, put your cell phone down. And I'm like, I I was prophesied, somebody prophesied to me long ago, and they said, you ambidextrous, you can do two things at the same time. So talk to me, I'll go on my phone. Listen, you can't do that. Sing kumbaya with one hand and busy doing something else with another. God won't pitch. 
communion takes total attention and placing it on that. When was the last time you personally came and communed with God without any other distractions? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When the Lord gave me that revelation and spoke that to me, I started crying and I said, Father, you need to forgive me. I know that if I was struck dead now, I would enter into glory. But this I know, I have been a great griever of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something, what you do in private speaks louder than what you do in public. God is not looking at your outer garments. God's looking at your heart. And when you mess up, the most important thing to do is just come run, run, running back, running back into his presence. And with arms open wide, he'll accept you. And there's no judgment. This is absolutely amazing. We've had to go to court so many times recently. And you know what? They always pull the file. But when you run back to Jesus, there's no file to pull. Because your past has been erased. He doesn't hold you. But you know what the human heart says? I can't come back. I've done, I've done something so heavy. I can't come back. Let me, let me tell you this. If you were a murderer... Or if you were simply a liar, there is no difference between that. There's no small sin and big sin. The grace of God covers all of it. Just come back. It's the enemy that does not want you to come into his presence. Point four, feed yourself. You know when you sit down and you have a good meal? You know what a good meal does? They say in Afrikaans, as die maag vol is, is die oogies toe. When you eat a good, sumptuous meal, somehow you need your Sunday afternoon nap. But when you sit in the presence of God and you feed on bread from heaven, do you know what it'll do for you? It'll energize you. It'll light your fire. It'll put you into the hot seat to get up and go out and preach the gospel to all the world. And this is, what, this is most important what the presence of God will do for you. The presence of God will give you a passion to win souls. A passion to win souls. And the greatest miracle in the word of God is not healing the sick, but is when a person comes to repentance. Let's close our eyes. Father God, we call on you right now. We call on you right now, Lord God. Father, we know that we've all grieved the Holy Spirit. And we know, Lord God, that in one way or another, we've been traditional. And we come to, we come to you, Father, and we ask you for mercy. We ask you for grace. We pray, Lord God, that we will come now and build this altar and put ourselves as a living sacrifice. And you will come again and make covenant with us. 
I'm not going to, I don't want to embarrass anybody. We are family, but let's be honest with each other. If you're in a place where the presence of God is not on your life and you're needing a touch from God, please stand up. You need a touch. You say, God, I need a touch from you. Father, we need, we need your mercy and we need your grace. We need your mercy and we need your grace. We need a fresh touch from the Lord. Father, I pray that you will come and baptize with fire. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come. Gentle dove, Holy Spirit, forgive us, God, because our traditions have made the word of no effect. Forgive us, Lord, because our affections have not passionately been burning for you. And Father, I thank you. There's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that separates us from the love of God. Your presence, Lord God, is what I need in my life. And Father, I ask you, I ask you to come and baptize me with your fire. Lord, come and do this miracle right now in the lives of people standing here. Father, I pray for a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. A fresh touch of your presence, Lord. By faith, right now by faith, take that cup. Take that cup by faith and put it to your lips and drink it. Drink it just by faith. Drink this living water. Just by faith. And I speak and I speak a word of life that your faith will make you whole. That wholeness will come to you in body, soul, and spirit. That the presence of God will come upon your life and break every yoke, snap every chain. And that the presence of God would rest upon you ever so strong. Father, release. Right now, Father, in your presence, in your presence, Lord, you are restoring marriages. In your presence, Lord, you are, you are bringing healing to our broken body. In your presence, Lord God, you are restoring our mind. Father, I thank you for your presence. It's all about your presence. Father, we are hungry and thirsty. We are desperate for more of you. Guys, I believe the Lord's giving me some prophetic words for some people. Um, You're welcome to sit down if you want to, or you're welcome to stay here. But I'll speak by faith. First, I want to speak to a guy sitting down. Okay? Um, The guy with the black shirt, you've got glasses on, dark glasses. Stand up. Uh, Sorry, I don't know your name. But I, I want to say this, I want to say this word to you. As I was sitting down during worship, the Lord said to me, you've been reviled. People have spoken against you. People have misunderstood you. And you almost lost your faith. Stand still. 
The Lord is the, the, Lord is the one who builds us up and gives us promotion. Run to the one that is higher than you. Don't look for support on the left or the right because they will fail you. The Lord is your strength and he's the light of your salvation. The Lord will recompense, give restitution and restore what the enemy has taken away. Amen. How's it? The winter is past. The winter is past. You've experienced the fire, but now the rains have come. And the Lord says, I'm going to open floodgates of heaven. I'm going to bless the works of your hands. I'm going to multiply and miraculously put that gold coin in the fish's mouth. And you will see things happen from areas that you have not expected. You'll receive a call in the early hours of the morning and you will have to go. And when you get there, you will see the blessings that are waiting because you've got up when others were asleep. The Lord says, I am restoring to you the fortunes that have been stolen in captivity. So Father, I bless this family. I bless this family. In Jesus' name, amen. What's your name? Susan. Susan. Susan, I know we don't really know each other, but I was in South Korea once, and I stood in front of this woman, she, and I said to this woman, I said, God's going to give you a son. And she looked at me and she said, can't. She had a hysterectomy, and 80% of her intestines were removed. And I said, I'm so sorry, maybe I was wrong. One year later, I went back, and the same woman came to me with a little baby boy. And she said to me, when you prayed for me, something happened. I got sick afterwards. I went to the doctor and the doctor said, I'm pregnant. Everything was put back. I know my God is a miracle working God. I remember prophesying to Alan and Milan about the birth of their baby, Anthony, and he had not been born. I said, well, in one year, God will give you a son. Now I'm saying this. God is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And God has already gone ahead of you. So the thing that you're crying for in your heart, worship Him because it is already yours. So Father, I thank you that you are the God of her breakthrough and that you will do this miracle now. And Father, we come against the walls of Babylon that have held her down, chained her in, and made her feel like Rapunzel sitting in a prison. We break those walls down in Jesus' name because the King Almighty has come to town and He visits you and He is your God. So Father, fill her and baptize her and do a miracle in her life in Jesus' name. Amen. How's it? Can I stop? I want to go to two other people quickly. Bob, I want to speak a word to you and to you, Rob. Are you okay? Bob, can you just jump up? You called to be a teacher, my brother. And there's times where the teacher takes the stick and speaks with authority to the children. Speak with authority. 
mighty man of God. Because you carry the word of the Lord. And the reason there's undiscipline, no discipline, is because the teachers have not used the stick. And your rod of authority and correction is your hug and your love. Because you embrace, love covers everything. And you are really called, you are really called the servant of love. So go and do what the Lord's spoken to you to do. So can you stand up? Please. I want to submit this as a word to you. Every one of us have people we look up to. Since our very inception, coming into Sarapta, I've always looked up. But I look at you now, and there's a different position. It's like, it's like the Lord has come over this last season and used a high-pressure cleaner in your heart. And it's like, he says, I'm, I'm not reconstructing, but I'm going to refurbish. And the Lord's doing that in your heart. And it's all about the Lord, you and the Lord. And the Lord says, I'm coming to redecorate everything that you've held dear. And it looks better in the future than it even looks now. So rest in this. You and your house are saved. Nothing has gone wrong. The Lord says what came through your house will stay in his house. The hand of the Lord is on your life. Amen. As I'm standing in front of you, my granddaughter, Azalea, she wakes up every morning and the first thing she's got to do is put on her shoes. And she'll put on her, she'll put on these, what are they called, those stokies, you know, like the fabric style shoe. Then, she, then we know she's going to stay inside. But if she puts on her gumboots, the first words that come out of her mouth is, out, outside. And we know what's on her heart. And the Lord says he knows what's in, us, in your heart. And he's put galoshes on your feet, not even just gumboots. These things are for mud stomping. But without knowing, as a young lady, the Lord put these on your feet. And they just stamp down the works of darkness. And I see that the enemy under your feet is being crushed. Because the God of peace rules in your heart. So Father, I speak a word of life. I speak a word of hope. And I thank you, Father God, that you come and make all things new. And not one spot of dirt will rest upon my sister. You restore, Lord God. And you fill her with your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Am I okay? You're okay. Cool. And I'm only asking if I'm okay because I submit to authority. I don't doubt you what I'm doing. <laughs> you never called this upon you. But the Lord placed it upon you with your precious wife. The Lord has put this upon him, Jen. And you've got to go into hospital, my brother. It's part of it's part of the testifying of the goodness of God to the staff and the patients and the doctors that will come to meet your needs. This is part of your path and it's part of your walk. 
And people will say, what good can come out of that? Oh, all of it, all of heaven is rejoicing for the souls that will come to know the Lord while you lie in that bed. So lift up holy hands and rejoice the Lord because God brings salvation. Now, Father, I speak against every form of fear and I command it to fall back. I break its power off you. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you rest upon my brother. And as he lies there, Lord God, he would be like a rose. But oh, the seed that would come out. And I speak to you, my brother, not one petal will fall off this rose. Not one petal will fall off this rose. This rose will not wither. This rose will not wimp. This rose will come out refreshed, restrengthed, restrengthed. I don't even know if that's such a word. I've just made it up. But you had strength, but you're going to be given more strength. And Father, I bless my sister. And I thank you, Father, that you will come and, and multiply this ministry exponentially. Increase the capacity to stretch their arms wider over more people. And Father, as they do, as they cover, as they stand as watchmen on the walls, as they stand as intercessors in the breach, Lord God, we thank you that this ministry will be established and many will be saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Call your wife. Daryl, can I pray for you and your wife? And you too, Tim. And Tim, yeah. How's it? I see a ministry which is your house. This ministry that is your house is almost like a bed and breakfast. It's almost like, can't we just have our sanity back? Because your house has become like a hotel. And people are going to come and people are going to rest in your house. People are going to feed from your table. They're going to sleep in those beds that you've designated for that. And the Lord says, people will come to your home and be restored. And they will call you pastor. (laughs) Are you a pastor? Okay, well, let's, let's wait and see what the Lord does. You don't have to go to seminary to be ordained. You don't have to go to seminary to be a pastor. God calls. I've met more people who are pastors in full-time ministry running a church and they've never been to Bible college. Never. And the Lord says, I am calling you and I am anointing you to meet the needs of the people that I bring into your house. For truly you are a mother and father. You are a shepherd to the people. But you cry and you say, Lord God, that would be great. But could it be my children first? Stop chasing your kids. Stand at the gate. For the prodigal will return home. The father of the prodigal son never chased him to the pigsty. So stand still at the gate and watch God work salvation in his heart. And there will be a great feast and a party. Because there will be many, many sons and daughters that the Lord will give to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Okay, I'm going to do something different. Okay. Ding dong, the bells are going to chime. 
you getting married in the morning. And the Lord says it's going to be fine. All hell has come against you. All hell has come against you to split you up. But the Lord says, I am your faithful God. And I brought you together and nothing can separate you from each other. Nothing. It's almost like I'm taking this chain rope and I'm wrapping it around you. Wrapping it around you tighter and tighter. And, and it's like when you take two, two trees and you stick them together and you twist them. They actually become one. There's no way this can be undone. And the Lord says he's going to use you to restore broken homes. One after another. One after another. You're not going to find secular work. It's not going to come near you. And when you go and look for it, it's going to run like hell away from you. You truly have been called to be a Nehemiah and you truly have been called to be a Cyrus. Well, let's change that around. You've truly been called to be like a Paul. And you've truly been called to be like a Priscilla and Aquila. You will underwrite and you will undergirth not only his ministry, but not one church, but dozens of churches. And you'll say, Lord God, you know what's happened in the economy. And the Lord says, I don't work by this economy. I have another economy. And Father God, I thank you that right now you are releasing new strategy. You are releasing new things, Lord God. And my sister, I speak this to you that there's a brand new business that you've never done before. Never. And it's actually all about hospitality. And the Lord says, I'm going to bring this to you. And I see dozens of Germans coming and sitting at your table. Amen. <laughs> Guys, I just want to say in closing to Alan and Milan and submit it under you, Gregor. Yeah, okay. And Karen, don't go. Come back here. I need you to put your hands on Milan. Nothing, nothing scary. It's all, it's scary. all, it's all scary. It's all, <laughs> it's all chocolate cake and eclairs and it's... Father, we thank you. We thank you for the shepherd of this house. I'm suddenly aware that most of us have no idea of the cost that you have paid personally to stand before God and lead lead us as a people. But the Lord says he's seen what you've done in private. So Father, I bless. I bless Alan, Lord God. And I pray, Father, for his preaching to carry such an appointed, anointed, prophetic edge like never before. Mm. Father, I pray that you stir up and bring deep, deep revelation out of the wells of salvation in his life. Father, I thank you that you place around Alan a team, Lord God, which would be, which would be single-hearted, motivated for one purpose and direction. Father, I thank you for me, Lan. I thank you, Lord God, that you have blessed her. I thank you for multiplication in their life. I thank you, Lord God, for the grandchildren that are about to come. 
I thank you, Holy Spirit, that these grandchildren will be seen in front of this platform dancing and worshipping you, Lord God. Father, I thank you for growth in this house. I thank you, Lord God, that, that where there have been isms and schisms and stupid little arguments, they would die and stop and fall back. I thank you, Lord, that as they are united, so will we all be standing as one with a single purpose, a vision, and a direction. I thank you, Lord, that you bless Alan and Milan with anointing and authority as leaders in our community to bring unity into the church at large. Father, I bless their house, the transitions that are taking place, and the peace to go through it. I ask you, Father God, for multiplication and blessing to the works of their hands. In Jesus' name, amen.